Fried Pop Culture. I'm one of your hosts, Kelly Lee. And I am Mandy Kay. Each week, we're going to talk about our experiences of Southern culture through the lens of stories that are set in the South, feature Southern characters, or are Southern flavored in some way, or are perhaps set in Texas. (laughs) On this show, our structure comes from our amazing theme song written by our friend, Jazzy Bentley. We'll talk about the movie in three different sections, Southern culture in general, the bless your heart or problematic moments, and the things we love, named Justin, that make us tickled pink. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> All right. This week, we are talking about the 1998 movie Hope Floats, starring Sandra Bullock, Harry Connick Jr., and Jenna Rollins. It was directed by Forrest Whitaker and written by Stephen Rogers. The IMDb describes this as a drama romance, and the tagline for Hope Floats is, when life fell apart, love fell into place. Except I maintain that this movie is not a romance. Okay, I saw that in your notes. I want to hear about this. So the point of a romance is the focus on the relationship between the man and the woman. And that is not the focus of this movie. This is an adult coming of age story for Mm Birdie. And the romance is just kind of icing on the cake. Like the relationship itself. But by definition, this movie is not a romance. I don't know what else we would call it because genre labels are very limited. Right. And coming of age tends to speak only to youth to adulthood and not something that occurs when you're an adult. Mm -hmm. But let's be real. Most of us don't find ourselves until we're adults. Oh, (laughs) some of us are still looking. Yes. (laughs) So I just, I take issue with the label romance, even though... Until recently, I probably would have also called it a romance. Mm-hmm. But it's just, that's not what this movie is about. It's just a nice B plot. Yeah. And what a hell of a B plot it is. Oh, absolutely. I love the B plot. I love Justin Matisse. But yeah. that is not the A plot of this movie. And I feel like if you're going to call a movie a romance, then the romance needs to be the A plot. Mm-hmm. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, I think you're right. I do. I think you're right. Okay. Well, and I think that a romance can be, you know, a love story between any two people, but that's not the, that's not the primary focus of this. Like they could have left Justin out and I mean, you know, then we would have lost all the best things about the movie, but even without him, her journey could have still been what it was. Right. Because he is not the reason she went through the journey. Right. Right. She just happened to find love on the path to finding herself. Yes. If this had been a true romance, he would have been the reason that she went through the changes that she did. He would have been the driving force behind it. And I'm so glad they didn't do that in this movie. Me too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I agree with you then. We will call it not a romance. And we'll add in the Southern Mama drama. Yes. So what is your Southern culture experience as it relates to Hope Floats? Oh, there were so many bless your heart equivalents in this. You know, um, we get the backhand compliments. I just love what you're doing with your hair these days. (laughs) Yeah. Like, bitch, please. (laughs) We got a couple of those. And we also got the real full on mean girls. Yes, we did. Yes, Yes, we we did. did. And I just... I block that character out because this movie is so much better without her. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, she does absolutely. nothing except give us kind of an example of Birdie's past. 
Yeah. But I don't care what Birdie was like in the past. I just care who she is now. Right. Right. Me too. Yeah. And of course, you've already said the words, but we can't have a good Southern movie without Southern mama drama. Mm-hmm. And we got Birdie's mama doing what Southern mamas always do, telling her, like, as soon as she gets there, that she looks just awful and asking her if she's been drinking because she just looks awful. Yeah. When she, when she said, this is you stone cold sober, <laughs> I was like, damn. Yeah. Well, I feel awful, mama. Well, you look it like what? <laughs> And then she, her mama asked her what she did to make Bill cheat. Yeah. And I understand that that is societally ingrained into her, but I just wish that her mom had been more supportive of her. Oh, me too. I think she was in her own way, but it is not the way that we would want her to be. That way was not great. Yeah. She, she clearly loved Birdie, and I think she, she legitimately probably did do the best that she could. I just wish that it was more because I wish that that generation wasn't raised to believe that it's the woman's fault and that she should have done more and that she always has to be pretty, mm-hmm. which is what yeah. we got from Ramona. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She even, I mean, her daughter gets dumped on television and all she can say is, you looked so beautiful on that television. Right. And I was like, oh, my God. Really? Well, really? because that's what matters. As long as you right. look pretty, everything else is fine. Yep. And then her mama just trying to set her up so soon. Yeah. I mean, that's a mama thing. I get it. But I feel like it was much played up as a Southern mama thing in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, I don't know, maybe Birdie can't be a woman if she doesn't have a man. I was kind of feeling that vibe a little bit, which is a bless your heart moment, but because it relates to the mom and I'm talking about the mom and throwing it in here. Yeah. That was my experience when I was younger too. And I, I, I could totally relate to that. Oh yeah. I mean, I grew up believing that my purpose in life was to be a wife and a mother mm-hmm. and I could only be a wife and a mother if I had a man in my life. Therefore mm-hmm. the definition of what my life was supposed to be came from a man that is 100% the culture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have kids now, and I don't spend a lot of time around kids now, so I really hope it's not the same. But I suspect that in a lot of circles, it still is. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm, I'm, so, I'm such an anomaly as a as lifetime single parent. I don't know how it's supposed to work or how it's, you know, anything like that. I just... I know my grandmother asked me right before my son was born if I was sure I didn't want to get married. Yeah. (laughs) I remember just (laughs) laughing so much. Like, (laughs) that's not exactly how this went down, but okay. (laughs) You know, are you sure? Are you sure? (laughs) Yeah, pretty sure. (laughs) Yeah. But her assumption was that he had asked. Right. You know, I mean, that's that's what was so funny about that. It's just like. I have no idea. Yeah. And then I just, I got tickled when her mama invited Justin over for dinner. And Mm -hmm. as she is saying the words to Birdie that she's not matchmaking, she's sprinkling flower petals on the table. (laughs) You don't do that every night at dinner, Vandy? (laughs) No, I'm sorry. I don't. So I think I wrote down in my notes, I'm not matchmaking. I'm just putting flower petals everywhere for the practicality of it. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. Yep. She wasn't subtle. No, but Southern Mama drama and subtlety don't really mesh. So no, it's exactly what we not. expected. Yep. And then this last thing is is not really Southern experience, but it is very, very true to life. I found that the relationship that Birdie had with both her mom and Bernice mm-hmm. was deeply based in reality. And the performance that Sandra Bullock gave was uh, gut-wrenching. I mean, it oh, was yeah. so based in reality that it severely impacted me. Mm-hmm. Like Birdie yelling at Bernice and Bernice not understanding why, because Birdie's just so deeply hurt by Bill and by what's going on. There's nobody else for her to take it out on. And that just breaks my heart. But that is something that I understand. I've been through it. I've probably Mm -hmm. done it. Not, not to an eight year old, but I've done it to people. Yeah. And then right after that, Bernice being angry at Birdie for yelling at her, but still standing up for her when her her own mama yells at her and she yells at her grandma, don't yell at her. <laughs> like, I love that because it yeah. shows fierce loyalty even when you're angry. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the kind of relationship you should have with your mother. I wouldn't let anyone yell at mine. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. And then the the last thing, Birdie's breakdown in the bathroom where she's just so upset and, and, and she keeps talking about hugging being the symbol of love. You know, she promised herself that when she was a mama, she was going to hug the girl and let the girl know and not let the daddy do all the hugging yeah. and that sort of thing. And God, that hit so close to home for me because when I graduated from high school, literally what I asked my mother to give me as a graduation gift was a hug. Oh, honey. Because she was not, when I was growing up, she was not a physically affectionate person. She is now. Like, we hug all the time. You know, she's my best friend now. But our relationship at that point, she very much fit into some of the Southern Mama drama stuff. And so she she was not affectionate. And my dad was, absolutely. And so I completely understand Birdie's reaction of I swore that I was not going to let the daddy do all the hugging. I was going to let my child know how much I loved them. Oh, and it just made me tear up. Yeah. Well, and I kind of felt for Birdie's mom in that moment, too, because she's listening to that. Mm-hmm. And you can see it hit her. She knows that Birdie's telling the truth about it, you mm-hmm. know, and kind of having to face that and realize, you know, it's, it's. I mean, parenting is the most difficult job in the whole world and also the most humbling because there's always someone around to remind you of all the things that you did wrong. <laughs> right. So I kind of, I really felt for both of them in that moment. Yeah. yeah. I did. I mean, this movie was tough to watch in places. Oh, but yeah. so, so good. It was good. All right, Kelly, what you got? Okay, so my first thing is everyone looks good in cowboy hats and boots and we should wear them all the time. <laughs> I'm just saying. Except Sandra Bullock needs a hat that fits her a little bit better. Yeah, but she still looked good in it. She did look good, but cowboy hats, should, your ears should not fit inside the cowboy hat. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's true. But I just like seeing them. And yes. I loved I loved the everybody wearing cowboy boots. That made me happy. Um, and the thing with Birdie yelling at Bernice that really hit me was she was angry with Bernice for telling her dad the truth. Mm-hmm. And she's starting to teach her that lesson. We don't tell people how we're really doing. We just mm. act like everything's fine. Yeah. And eight is really young to learn that lesson. Mm-hmm. And Bernice didn't understand why 
you know, her mom was yelling at her and she just said, well, tell me what you want me to say. I will say anything right now to make you stop yelling. I just don't know what I'm supposed to say. Mm -hmm. And that was so real and, and just kind of heartbreaking that it definitely, definitely felt too close to the truth for me. Yeah. And when they were doing kind of that yelling, you know, back and forth, and <laughs> I did laugh when Bertie's mom said, she's my daughter. I'll yell at her all I want. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and she had that one moment where she was like, I'm still your mama. Get down right. there and answer the door. Mm -hmm. I did think that was kind of funny. But when her mother told Bertie, you used to be so pleasing. Mm. And I was like, God, save me from this word. Yes. This is, you know, probably the idea I hate the most is that part of being raised as a good Southern girl is learning how to be pleasing to everyone around you, regardless of what is actually going on or how you're actually feeling or what you're actually dealing with. And it just is one of those things I hate and despise. And so I hated seeing her mother throw that down at her. But a lot of this movie, it was kind of like where the heart is for me because of the connection with photography. Like, I loved Bertie's camera, that medium format camera. I'd always, always wanted one. And, like, in 1998, I was studying photography, and I had a little dark room, and, like, this was my passion and what I wanted to do, and I loved it, loved it so much. And so we see her developing pictures, and I'm like, where did she get a dark room? And, I, like, was that something right? she had before that she just, you know, cranked back up, but... The luxury of having that kind of space and having that kind of equipment was just kind of taken for granted. Yeah. In this movie, putting together a dark room is not easy. And I, you know, the little bitty tiny space I had for mine got converted into a nursery. So oh. um, I had to, you know, take all that equipment down. But I did really share that love with her. Mm -hmm. And it was neat seeing it on screen again now that we've moved into, you know, everything's digital and you don't develop film like that anymore. Right. But that did remind me of home. Um, and then her line at the end when she said, childhood is what you spend the rest of your life trying to overcome. Oh, yes. That could pretty much be the thesis statement of being raised in the South. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And then I had a weird question. Because this has actually come up in conversation with a friend in a completely different context this week. But it feels like everyone has played Spin the Bottle except me. And I have never actually been to a party where this was played. And I'm just curious, did you see this growing up? I never went to any parties. Okay. So no. That doesn't mean they didn't <laughs> or like exist. like in college or anything, because I have never actually seen this in real life, but it's in like every movie. Yeah, it is in every movie, and it's in Buffy, and it's in yeah everything. I've always assumed it was real because it's in, it's represented so often, but I don't have that experience, but I also never had the normal like high school, college, party, dating mm -hmm. experience yeah. that everybody else had. So I just well, don't know. I went to parties, but we didn't play spin the bottles. I was just curious. But I, I did think it was kind of sweet that Birdie was the first girl Justin ever kissed. But I always feel sort of odd when I watch this movie because it doesn't make me cry in the places where it makes everyone else cry. Mm -hmm. And like when Bill leaves Bernice, I just want to punch him. But... I have years of experience, you know, of comforting a child who is asking for a father who's not around. And it just makes me feel more steely than weepy. But that was even the case before my son was born because I saw Hope Floats in the theater with my mom, three aunts, and like nine cousins. 
And I was the only one who was not sobbing during that scene. And they all were looking at me like, what is wrong with you, Kelly? But it didn't make me cry. It just made me really mad. And it was funny because I was actually very newly pregnant with my son at the time, but I didn't know it yet. And so I just, something about that always kind of stayed with me. The only part that makes me cry is when Bernice cried into her mother's dress when she's getting ready for the funeral. And I think I kind of gloss over a lot of the problematic parts of the movie or a lot of what they have to say about women in relationships and families because I'm so completely dazzled and swept off my feet in love with the romance side of this that I lose perspective of the rest of it. But when the grandmother told Bernice the story about the ants and the purpose of family, it, like, I know that it was supposed to be sweet and it was, you know, like everybody pitches in and does this stuff together, but not everyone has that, you know, and not everyone has Bertie's safety net with a house and childcare and someone to support her when she leaves Bill. And it's just really hard for me to relate to. So like, I felt like a lot of things were presented as normal or expected in this movie that just don't fit for me. So I had kind of a hard time relating to all of that. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so like I get the Southern culture side of it. I The Southern family experience is so different for me. That it's just kind of hard to say, yes, I would call that home. Okay. I have seen families like that. I have not personally Mm -hmm. experienced it. And I think that is the idealized, romanticized version of a Southern family. Yeah, I think you're right about that. You touched on a lot of things all real close together there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) As far as crying in this movie, I saw this movie in the movie theater in 1998 when it came out I was in high school I would have been (laughs) now I feel old man K depending on when in 1998 this came out I was either a sophomore or a junior it was probably the summer before my junior year but I'm not positive it came out in May it came out in May I was sophomore (laughs) (laughs) that was the end of my sophomore year in high school and I remember sitting there and the only part of this movie that I cried at then was Bill leaving Bernice behind and Bernice standing in the middle of the street watching him drive away just having a complete and total meltdown mm-hmm. because I have issues I have abandonment issues because of my parents and so watching her experience that tore me to pieces because that that especially at that point that was the most relatable part of the movie for me and I didn't understand the nuances of all the other relationships like Bernice and Birdie and Birdie and her mom and even Birdie and Justin so all of that was just a nice story and it didn't impact me emotionally mm-hmm. god and watching it this time there were so many times where I teared up sometimes out of happiness and sentiment and sometimes out of sorrow but this is a very emotional movie in so many different ways. It's got a lot of layers. Oh, yeah, it does. It really does. So of those layers, what made you say bless your heart? Well, let me ask you a question before we jump into the bless your heart section. And I think this okay. will segue into it. You said that you gloss over the problematic parts of this movie. And I think that's interesting because I was literally thinking that this is probably the only movie that we've ever done on this show that really isn't that problematic. And so I'm curious what it is that makes you label it problematic. So for me, it it was actually a question that I had put at the very end because in our other buckets. Okay. 
because I don't know how to unpack this. So Birdie kept talking about how she lost herself. She was once audacious. She once knew what it meant to shine. You know, and all we know about her was that she was a cheerleader, homecoming queen, and popular. Mm-hmm. Surely there's more to it than that. You know, mm-hmm. she thought she was special. And so I'm, I'm kind of wondering, like, how did she lose that? Was it becoming an adult? Was it becoming a mom? What is that kind of sense of self made of? And a lot of things happen to her in this movie, right? Bill and Connie pull their shit on her. That happens to her. Her mom dies. That happens to her, right? Her dad's stroke was something that happened. Mm -hmm. Justin kind of happened to her. Now, she did choose him at the end, but still, you know, he was there with open arms waiting on her. I'm not sure of the choices that she actually made to bring herself back to herself. And like, do we see her? Is she now audacious again? Is she now back in touch with that sense of, you know, this identity that she had had that was so strong? And it was just, I don't know if it's just that I don't know how to unpack it or if it's so nuanced that I understand it without really knowing how to articulate it but it just felt it felt like I was missing something and I'm not sure what that is okay I actually talked about some of this stuff in in my tickle pink section so we're just skipping all over the place oh I love it (laughs) take a framework and mess it up baby it makes me happy (laughs) so this this has a lot to do with with me calling it a coming of age movie for an adult Okay. I think uh, from my perspective, I'm not saying I'm right or that I'm wrong. This is just how how I related to the movie and, and how it spoke to me was so she said things like at the beginning, she said, once upon a time, your mama knew what it meant to shine when she was talking to Bernice, lamenting that she recognizes that she's different than she used to be at that point. And then when she is breaking down with her mom at, at some point, it's it's not when she's drunk. It's some other point, I think, but it might have been when she was in the bathroom, when she starts telling her mom that really she thinks it's not all Bill's fault. She really did have something to do with it. And she started talking about how when they fell in love, she could see herself through his eyes. And then she said, the harder I tried to be who he wanted me to be, the less I saw myself in his eyes. And I interpret that as the harder she tried to be who he wanted her to be, the less she was herself. She was Mm -hmm. trying to be something she wasn't, but she was trying to be that perfect wife and mother that the Southern expectation has you be. You know, even the perfect wife and mother that her mom was trying to tell her that she was supposed to be, and she must have done something wrong if Bill fell in love with somebody else. And so I I think that's fairly nuanced, and I think we don't get to actually see what happened because we're seeing the aftermath. But for me, that's enough to tell me that that's what it was that made her lose herself over the years. I, I think there is probably more, a little bit more to it because we've obviously also seen that she's gone from a mean girl to a not mean girl. Yeah. And I don't know what caused that. Yeah. And some of those lines, I guess because so much of that came from her mother that it kind of contrasted against what we saw of her mother because her mom was kind of a social misfit. I mean, you know, she's the crazy lady that stuffs animals in her house. And Birdie talked about how she'd always been embarrassed by that. 
And her mom's like, well, I've never been unhappy. So mm-hmm. the joke's on you. So it was kind of like she was a nonconformist who was sort of chastising her daughter for not conforming. And it, like there was just something in there that I thought, is this a matter of, of having a strong sense of individuality? And maybe that going against society's expectations of you. But it felt like a lot of it was very abstract. And I don't know that I could point to specific things that Birdie did. I can point to things she said. Mm -hmm. The closest I got to it was her sort of defying people's expectations and dancing with Justin at the bar, which is another reason why I love that scene so much. But it, it just still to me, I thought, okay, there's a lot more going on here that we're not seeing. And I wondered if there were even parts of the movie that got cut like that maybe had been originally written that we didn't see. Okay. So that's, I think that's what I meant by problematic. Like, I think the story works very well. I don't, I didn't see anything that I thought, oh no, that would never happen in the South. It was very authentic in, in terms of how things were represented. But I think it's more problematic in terms of me coming to grips with, with understanding a lot of it than the movie itself. Okay. I wonder if if I just relate to it so much because I've I've felt like that before. Mm-hmm. And so when I see her saying things like no Bernice, your daddy didn't love me enough. That's just just one line like that is enough for me to recognize how big it is for her to say that. Yeah. Because before she said that, it would have been you know, what did I do wrong? Even though she she had already said, Mama, why does it have to be something I did? You still internalize it, especially right. when you're trying to be who he wants you to be. You're going to internalize it. Well, I wasn't good enough. It, mm-hmm. I wasn't enough for him. And so for her to be able to verbalize, he didn't love me enough. This was not something that I did. For me personally, that was enough for me to say, yes, she is coming into it. You know. See, it's so funny because I had an opposite reaction to that. Okay. Because my reaction was, that's not what you say to the child. And I guess because I've had to have this conversation so many times with my son that I'm very, very careful about what I put on him and what I don't. Right. And so when I heard her say that, I was like, yes, honey, that may be true, but that's not what you put on her. Like, that's something you carry that. You don't put that on your kid. And and I think it's hard for me to parse that apart. But yeah, okay. I think you're right about her realizing that it wasn't her fault. And that was good. I was just I, some of the some of the things that she kind of slapped onto Bernice when she, because she was processing in real time. Like I can understand why she did it. But when you're a single parent, that's not something you get to do. Like you you just you have to hold some of that into yourself or at least I try to. Right. No, I don't disagree with you. I, I think that it's incredibly possible to have some wonderful self, self-growth while also being a shitty parent. Oh, yeah. No, I do that all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and honestly, I don't think she was a shitty parent. I think she was doing the best with what she she had, honestly. I mean, her whole life fell apart. And at the end of the day, you know, she... She loved Bernice so oh, much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think she was a good mom and, and she yeah. definitely went through hell. But yeah, it's it's just interesting. Like you said, this is a very layered movie and it's it's definitely an emotional one, which is, I mean, the sign of a really good movie, even if 
I mean, you know, me and emotions, like, <laughs> not really my favorite thing in the whole world. No. So this one takes me through such a huge spectrum that I'm like, okay, yeah. too many, too many, too many feelings. <laughs> too there many are feelings. a lot of feelings in this one. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's bless some hearts. All right, baby. Bless some hearts. I tried to be funny on this one, and I typed in full caps, or in all caps, Connie and Bill, full stop. Yeah. Because I wanted that to be really the only thing that I wanted to bless hearts about because, oh, my God. Like, yeah. who does that? I mean, who, like, really? Like, I've been sleeping with your husband, and you're my best friend. I know, I know, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to surprise you on live television and tell you about it. Like, what the hell? Right. <laughs> What? The the host of that show <laughs> who like so obviously, you know, was so gleeful in yeah. everyone's paint. Like, I'm pretty sure she was a product of pure evil. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And she just kept saying, now Connie wants you to know you're her best friend and she would never do anything to hurt you. Bullshit. I'm like, where is the volcano? But I had, I had forgotten that Bernice was in the audience. Oh my God, me too. And that made me hate Bill more than anything. Yes. Well, okay. That particular thing wasn't Bill's fault because Bill didn't know what this was about either, which is why I am astonished that he stayed with her. Oh, okay. Bill didn't know that's why they were on TV. Right. That's why he also came out in a blindfold. Okay. So Connie has got to be the best in bed that there has ever been because otherwise I I can't even like, yeah, really? He would stay with her after that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. So there is nothing worse in the world than Connie and Bill. Oh yeah. But alas, there were a few other things that I needed to, to bless some hearts over, but none are nearly as severe as Connie and Bill because, oh my God. Mm hmm. (laughs) So, okay, maybe Bernice's attitude just a little bit, too, because while it's understandable, it was too much over the top and left too much out of check, I think. What with her blaming Bertie for everything? Her blaming Bertie for everything, her treatment of Justin, that story about the skunk yeah, was I just... It was, I laughed, to be honest. I was like, that little girl is fierce and hilarious. But I think it's because she was, she wanted her parents to get back together and she saw Justin as, you know, trying to mess with that. But that protective, don't come near my mama thing, I guess I'm just used to it from my son. So I, it, I I thought it was funny, but, but yeah, I mean, she, she was very ugly to her mother in many very painful moments here where she was just taking her pain out on Bertie and blaming her for everything and. Yeah. I felt horrible for Bernie having to carry that. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, Bernie saying that she was going to, her daddy was going to kill Justin. And she said that in front of everybody. And there was no consequence for things like that either. You know, she threw rocks at him. Yeah. It's just, I understand. I mean, she has a reason to be so unlikable. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was tough to watch. And if I had ever acted like that in my Southern household, my butt would have got tore up. 
Oh, me and you both. <laughs> no, no, no. It wouldn't have mattered if the whole world went to hell. You would still have to behave. Yes, absolutely. Um, next up, Travis wondering if Birdie wants him after Ramona oh, died. God. No child God. should ever have to wonder if they're wanted. Oh. And I understand that there are children all over the place who don't have families. And it just, it breaks my heart. And it was, it was tough to watch. It was awful. And talk about somebody whose heart in this movie I'd like to sit down and bless face to face. It would be Desiree mm-hmm. for doing that to that child. Yeah. Just, God. Yeah. And then we talked about that final scene with Bill and Bernice. And I just, I can't, I, I don't understand what kind of man you have to be to let your child go through that and then to leave her. I mean, you locked her out of the car and then you drove away while she is having a full-on meltdown because she loves you. And not only that, he's doing all this, you know, asking for a divorce, abandoning his child, all of this stuff on the day of Birdie's mother's funeral. Yep. It's like classy, dude, bro. Yep. Like, that's that's the way to do it. I mean, can could he have been more cold and selfish? I don't, I don't think so. Like, no. Yes, Bill, let's not have the complete destruction of your ex-wife's life and the abandonment of your child be uncomfortable for you. You know, and then Bernie had to carry Bernice back into that house. And oh, my God, like he just I don't even have words. He basically flat out said Connie is more important to me than my daughter. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we can't try to make a go of it with an eight year old around. Right. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Like I said, this is what volcanoes are for. And and like the people in that town being so shitty to her, I think was some of that, oh my, how the mighty have fallen. Like they enjoyed seeing her be humiliated because she had been popular or special or whatever. And I I really hope people don't operate like that. Like it just and and Birdie took it, you know, all. Mm-hmm. She expected it, she took it. And and that just really it just really bothered me, just the, the underlying ugliness of that and some of the the ugliness that we got from her mom until we got closer to the end. It was just this undercurrent of serves you right mm-hmm. that I just, I didn't like, you know, and nobody blamed Bill and nobody called Bill out for being a cold-hearted bastard. And it was, it was just very unbalanced in that way. Why did everybody go out of their way to tell her they had seen it multiple times? Right? That one lady who said, we taped it. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. Or the other lady, we have cable, so we got to see it twice. One in Central Time, one in Mountain. Yeah. Like, what? What? Why would you do that? I have no idea. Like I said, they're just celebrating other people's misery, you know, which is uh, not something I understand. I mean, and the whole show itself. Like, do people really find stuff like that entertaining? Because I, yes. I, I, oh, I used I to watch Jerry Springer and I loved it. I have never watched a full episode of Jerry Springer in my life. I think someone tried to make me watch like five minutes and I was like, uh-uh, nope. I've never watched television like that. I can't, I don't understand the appeal. The whole thing just seems like such cruelty or just reveling in the sheer stupidity of humanity Mm -hmm. like I don't I guess I'm a television snob I don't get it in my defense I was a child oh (laughs) teenager counts as child right yes (laughs) okay yes 
teenager yeah. kills his child. But I guess it's just the spectacle of the thing or watching it without realizing that those are real people or hoping that it's staged. But in this case, those were real people and it was just hideous. Yeah. It was hideous. I think people like to enjoy other people's misfortune because when you're looking at somebody who has it worse than you, you don't have to think about your own life. I guess. I just, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't work like that for me. So. No, no, not at all. I'm just, I'm trying to find an excuse and there's not one. <laughs> the last thing, and I put this in bless your heart because I didn't know where else to put it, but it felt like we were missing a huge storyline about Justin. Why did he go to California? You know, had he been in love with Birdie that whole time and not spent the years between with someone else? You know, and he didn't like answering personal questions and there was so much about him we didn't find out or know, but he seemed very isolated, you know, and I, and I wanted to know, like, why is he so isolated? Why is he so separate? You know, and why do people look down on him the way they did? Because he was freaking wonderful. So there was something about this I was missing. Well, I have headcanon for this because it's clearly not explicit in the movie. Okay. But I did not get the sense he had been in love with Birdie this whole time. Oh, good. I was hoping that that was not the case. Yeah, I, I didn't feel like that at all. I think that when she came back and he could see how she had changed, he was intrigued by her. And then the more he got to know her, the more he fell in love with her. I think that he went to California to go be an architect and like he said, this is one of my tickled pink things, you know, when you find something that you love and then twist it and torture it, and at the end you can't find a trace of what you started out loving, that wasn't worth it to him. And so he left California and came back. Yeah. He he went there to do that thing, and when that thing wasn't what he actually wanted, it was taking away his joy, he came back home so that he could do what he loved. Mm-hmm. And then I think, based on... I don't even remember her name, the mean girl um, at the dance who was talking yeah. to Birdie about high school and making fun of Justin. He was an outcast in high school because he wasn't popular. And so okay. I think that just kind of has carried through because clearly nobody in this town has grown. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, Dot has not. a tiny little bit, but not <laughs> really. Yeah. Um, and so I think when he came home to do what he loved, he kept his head down and stayed isolated because he didn't want any part of those mean people. Yeah, I guess that's why I was wondering, like, why would he come home? It does not look like a happy town to live in. His parents were from there, though. And so I think it sounded like his parents had only recently passed, recently-ish. Okay. Maybe. um, Because he was telling her about the swing. Okay. So I had canon all of that so that it it makes sense. That does make more sense. (laughs) And I guess I'm just a fan of the outcast. So. Yes. (laughs) Mysterious. We want the mysterious brooding man who looks really good in jeans, cowboy boots, and a hat. And knows how to talk real pretty and dance. Yes. (laughs) Which leads us into the thing that tickles me pink the most. And tickles you pink the most. (gasps) Justin. Oh, my God. Let me tell you, if it is actually legitimately possible to fall in love with a fictional character, it's Justin Matisse. Yep. (laughs) Like... There is not a single bad thing about him, except maybe his inability to answer personal questions. Mm-hmm. But I also had canon that once they start actually dating, that they're completely open and honest with each other about everything because you can't have a perfect relationship and not do that. 
No, I just would put money on my ability to get that man to answer some questions. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. Oh, but okay. So he sees Birdie. He Mm -hmm. sees what she needs. He's not. I know in your notes, you kind of said he was coming on a little bit too strong, but I felt like he wasn't really pushing her. He was. He was trying to be her friend when she needed a friend because she didn't have mm-hmm. anybody in this town. Yeah. And yeah, okay, he wanted to kiss her and he wanted to date her too. But that wasn't his primary focus at first, mm-hmm. I think. And then, God, the way he is around those kids. Oh, I know. Bernice so is good. just so flippin' mean to him and he was so understanding and so nice to her. Mm-hmm. He did not face him one bit. And that just melted my heart just a little bit. And yeah. then telling Travis at the funeral, don't you know I came over here to see you? Oh, God. Oh, my good Lord. Yeah. If I was not already in love with him by that moment, that would have done it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like a full-on bursting ovaries kind of moment. <laughs> Bursting ovaries. <laughs> I'm so glad I can make you laugh. I love you so much. <laughs> uh, I'm just, Justin, <laughs> this is the one movie where there's a romance, where there is no stupid conflict between yeah. the two parties. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they put a little bit in there because Birdie feels guilty after they have sex. But that gets cleared up real quick. Yeah. And she calls him Bill, but that's also understandable. It's habit. Yeah, exactly. That was like rote memory because she's Mm -hmm. feeling this way. Clearly, they hadn't been happy in a while. So she was speaking in a tone that she'd become accustomed to speaking to with Bill. And it just came out. Totally makes sense. And they handled it. I mean, it, it took a little bit of time, but it's real. I mean, okay, it's not real life. It's a movie, but that's how it works in real life. Right. So, yeah, Justin Matisse, yeah. Yeah. The scene where they cheer up Bernice. Yeah. Love it. Love it so much. I have no idea what that song is. I've only ever heard that song in this movie. Mm -hmm. I never remember it, but then I see them doing it, and it just makes me giggle, and I see the love in that family and in that room. And it, to quote the movie, my cup runneth over. Yeah, it was adorable. Yeah. It was adorable. But I kind of wrote a note in mine. I was like, I love this. I love this. Do real families ever actually do this? Like, sing and dance to cheer each other up? I hope they do, because I think it's delightful. (laughs) I know families sing and dance. Yeah. I don't know about doing, like, skit things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it was, like, the full costume lip syncing effect that they added. But I was like, that is really, really great. I choose to believe that that happens somewhere. (laughs) somebody has a family that's like that i will believe that with you because i love it yeah all right go ahead lay it on me let's gush about justin some more i didn't hit all of the good points oh god it's ridiculous he asks her to go out for a great fish dinner (laughs) and then he takes her out on a boat and y'all i do not like fishing but i would go with him in two seconds (laughs) and (laughs) when he tells her hey breathe just listen was like this man is a sorcerer like Mm -hmm. i just don't have any other words but it was it's it's the dancing like that that dancing tops every dancing 
And when he comes up to her and he says, I just want to dance with you. And she says, I can't. I can't dance anymore. And he says, dancing's just a conversation between two people. Talk to me. Girl. <laughs> so let me just tell you. Joseph was sitting next to me. He was playing his Xbox while I was watching this, but he didn't have his headphones in, so he was sort of half paying attention to the movie. And Mm -hmm. he started snickering so hard at that. And I said, I said, excuse me. I said, you love to dance. So I don't understand why you're laughing at that. That's a really good line. And he goes, yeah, but it's just not original. Oh, please. I've never heard a man talk like that. Right? Said, like, everything you say is original. Shut up Uh, and let me enjoy Justin. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you right then and there. If like you said, if you can fall in love with a (laughs) fictional character, I was falling head over heels and melting into a puddle of ridiculousness because there is nothing sexier or more fun than dancing with someone who a genuinely wants to dance with you and B knows how to have fun dancing oh and they looked like they were having so much fun oh, i want they were to do just that having fun they yes. were just having fun you know but i i swear dancing is just a conversation between two people talk to me mm-hmm. might be at the top of my list of most romantic things ever said it works it for me it, oh it works yeah. for me too <laughs> and then when we see his house i was like god this man because any kind of craft or art where someone gives that kind of creative devotion just lights up my soul and maybe some other parts Mm -hmm. (laughs) and his soft forehead kisses were sexier than most sexing yes the man was just magic but the thing even it maybe even more than the dancing was justin and travis Mm -hmm. you know and first of all i love travis travis stole my heart i want to bring this child home and adopt him and raise him as my own, I completely fell in love with this kid. When they told him, Travis, come down here and be a tree. I just... <laughs> <laughs> but he's always in costume, you know, and he's always acting out. But at the end, when he took that picture of his grandmother from the funeral, and Bertie asked him, what are you doing? And he said, taking her home. Oh. This this kid, it's, this is a child of my heart, and I just want to bring him home and and keep him yeah um and then when you know justin comes to see him and you know he said you know i came to see you but he also made travis feel good about getting a telegram from his mother instead of acknowledging how shitty it was that that's all she bothered to do you know and he knows that travis is worried about birdie wanting him and he tells him without hesitation yes she wants you and I like that he knew Bertie well enough that it wasn't even a question. Mm-hmm. And I like that it wasn't a question. I like Bertie for being the kind of woman who would not question raising this child. Right. You know, and that, so all of that just tickled me pink. And this is hands down the best soundtrack we have gotten. Every song in this movie is fantastic. Yes. Every single song. But then in the bar with the dance and the song i love so much is garth brooks covering bob dylan and i cannot even tell you so i was watching i watched a concert of garth brooks performing in vegas and he talked about this movie and he talked about you know being asked to sing this particular song by bob dylan and that he couldn't find the lyrics 
and like they weren't <laughs> they weren't documented. He said he kept listening to Bob Dylan sing this song over and over again, but he still couldn't tell what the lyrics were <laughs> mm-hmm. because you know. Bob Dylan doesn't exactly enunciate his words. Right. And so hearing Garth Brooks sort of tell the story of how difficult it was to track this down, <laughs> like cover the song, delighted me. But it is one of my favorite songs. Lots of people have covered it. The Garth Brooks version will always be my favorite. And it is the song that makes me want to learn how to play guitar. Did you notice there were two different covers of the song? I did. Do you know who did the I other did. one? I don't. Trisha Yearwood. Oh, well, that is romantic Perfect. and sweet, right? Yeah. Of course it's Trisha Yearwood. Yeah. Adele does it too, mm-hmm. and it's really, really good. But I, sh- I meant to look that up. I actually made myself a note to see who that woman was singing it. But of course it's Trisha Yearwood. So I didn't know this was a Bob Dylan song when this movie came out. And so I thought it was a Garth Brooks song. And then I mm. thought Adele did a Garth Brooks cover. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And I like some of the snark that we get in this. And I think good snark is something I associate with the South. But when Bertie asked about Desiree and her mom said, well, she's out in L.A. doing a pilot. And Bertie said, oh, and what's he like? <laughs> it just delighted me. Yeah. And, and her mother saying, I like all God's creatures. I just like some of them better stuffed. And she's talking about Bill. And I was like, amen, sister. Mm-hmm. Amen. And then this... Just tender sweetness between Bertie and her dad. Like, he can't talk, but he can dance with her. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when she comes back and he's holding the picture of Bernice, but he thinks it's Bertie. And he said, that's my daughter, Bertie. She's marked for happiness. Mm-hmm. And, like, I can't imagine what it would have been like to have been raised with a dad that gentle. Mm-hmm. But it was just really special and really sweet. And I liked Bertie getting her own back with the mean girl at the bar talking about well if i believed everything i saw down at the photoshop i got one word for y'all polaroids <laughs> it was so funny and i like when she told bill you and connie deserve each other you were lucky to have me yep like i thought that that was really great yeah i really like this movie i love this movie a lot so did you have anything that did not fit in our other buckets So I think that this is the first movie where I ever saw somebody actually get tucked in like that, like where the covers get tucked in all around their body. Oh, really? I always thought that tucking somebody in was just a figure of speech and it was just making sure they got into bed and pulling the covers up over them. Oh, no, my son liked to be tucked in. Yeah. Yeah. I I never knew what that was. We had a system. He liked to be covered up, blanket tucked in all around him. Pillows tucked in beside him, and then stuffies, stuffed animals, he called them stuffies, put in, pos- like, strategic positions around the, we- it was a whole thing. We had to go. <laughs> See, I think <laughs> I would feel claustrophobic. Oh, Maybe I would that's too. why. Yeah, I couldn't sleep like that, but some yeah. kids like it. What about you? What else didn't fit into the buckets? Because, I mean, we've been all over the place today. Oh, I know. Anyway, so. I like it. But And this is a random observation, but I really like the name Birdie. Mm-hmm. I just really liked it as a character name. But the question that stuck with me, and and I'm kind of learning, because I've watched more movies now because of podcasting with you than I've watched in forever. (laughs) So I'm like learning the process of watching movies. And I'm finding that questions from the movie stay with me. Okay. Right. And so this question, of course, was from Justin. But he, he was talking about, you know, when he was talking about taking what you love and twisting it and trying to make money at it and how that's not what you should do. And he talked about 
you know, those things that you genuinely love, that you're genuinely passionate about. And he asked Bertie, what did you start out loving? And I think that that's such an important question for us, not just in terms of our relationships, but as people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not just in terms of our creativity, but in terms of our purpose. And I just really loved the question, you know, what did you start out loving and how do you get back to that when life throws you off course? I thought it was a a beautiful question from a beautiful soul. Yes. I mean, it's a good question. I don't think I can answer that question for myself. Yeah, that's what I, that's why it's kind of stayed with me. Yeah. Because I'm working on it. I think people like Justin who know the answer to that question, I always feel like they're so much older than me and they've got so much more experience and just wiseness, wisdom, Mm -hmm. wisdom. That's the word. (laughs) Wiseness. I like wiseness. You knew what I meant. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. Yeah, it's a damn good question. You always ask good questions when we watch movies, though, so. Oh, well, thank you. You have I some of that it. wiseness yourself. <laughs> Maybe some smart asses. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we going to watch next, Mandy? Oh, are you ready for this one? We are going to watch The Green Mile. Okay, so I am super excited about this. I don't think I've ever actually seen it. Oh, God, Kelly. I have seen, I think I've seen tiny clips, and I know Stephen King wrote it. Mm-hmm. That is the only context I have for this. I don't really know anything about it. Okay. Well, it's not a horror movie. I'm okay. sure you know that. It's not what you would expect from Stephen King. Right. And I know, like, a lot of his movies or his screenplays are very different. Than his, although I do like Stephen King as a writer. But yeah, I have no context for this at all. All I'm going to say is make sure you have Kleenex near you. <laughs> Okay, good to know. <laughs> okay, yeah, that that's what I'm gonna say. It's a, it's. I'm interested to see what our conversation is gonna be like about that movie because that movie, yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. I'm I'm curious okay. about what our conversation is gonna be like for that one. All right, well that'll be interesting. I'm gonna right. try to watch it this weekend. Okay. All right, folks. Well, we want to hear from you. If you want to join the conversation on Twitter, use the hashtag SFPOP. Tell us all about your experiences growing up in the South, what you thought about Hope Floats and Justin Matisse. And if you have some some kind words for Kelly before we go into the Green Mile, let's, let's send those over too. But remember, we don't want to spoil it. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at Mandy K, or you can email us at podcast at eloquentgushing.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Kelly Jones or on the Still Dead and Orgasm podcast from Chipperish Media. And Southern Fried Pop Culture is funded by supporters like you through our Patreon page. For exclusive content and more, please visit us at patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And one of the things that you can see is a short story written by our own Dr. Kelly Jones. And narrated by the wonderful Mandy Kay, who made my words sound beautiful. So thank you for that. (laughs) You are very welcome. It was a wonderful short story that's not fiction. I don't know. (laughs) And I mean, it's still a short story, so I don't really know what to call it. Short nonfiction? Essay? Yeah, it's an essay. essay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So all I'm saying is if you're a patron... You get to, well, not read it, but listen to it, at least. Yeah, in your wonderful voice. So it's fantastic. (laughs) And thanks again to Jazzy Bentley for our amazing show music. And thanks, y'all. Thanks. You want to hear just what I think, but I don't walk around to go big. I've got a lot to say about today's modern art. This 
Southern Fried Pop Culture is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, please visit eloquentgushing.com or visit us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.